Well, again, it's that time of year where Virginia is going to the polls. You have an opportunity to elect the next senators and delegates to represent you in Richmond. That's right. It's Stay in the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Cavill, and stay tuned for our annual 2023 Election Candidate Series show. It's Stay in the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Cavill. Thank you so much for joining us, as you always do every Sunday as we broadcast from the campus of the Norfolk State University, home of the Spartan Nation, from none other than WNSB Hot 91, the soul of VA. I want to thank all of the listeners and supporters for uh, your support throughout the years. And also thank you for all that you've done to make us a top show here in the area. Listen, homecoming festivities have ended, and I know that everyone is glad to have, glad to come back and visit, and, and you, you visited friends and family and, and also met new friends. But, you know, with homecoming, we had a phenomenal parade and all of that. Well, even with that, we still have a lot of energy because it's election season. That's right. The election is November 7th, where we have a chance to elect the next House and the next delegates and the next senators for us in Richmond. But not only that, but we also can vote now. That's right. Early voting is still underway. 45 days before November 7th, you can go vote every single day, Monday through Friday. And of course, there's special voting on Saturday and Sunday as well. But to talk more about that, I want us, we have a very special guest. And this person is no stranger to the campus, no stranger to the radio station, a friend to us as well, but none other than Delegate Angela Williams Grace, who's running to be your next senator for the new Senate District here in Norfolk, District 21. Delegate Grace, thank you so much for joining us here on State of Water. Thank you, Eric, for having me. I appreciate it. I'm sorry. Thank you, Dr. Clavel. <laughs> oh, no, listen. Look, we're friends. We're friends. We're on first aid basis, but it's all good. <laughs> you had a lot of books and wrote a lot of papers to get those initials before your name. So we want to make sure that we do the right thing. <laughs> well, listen, listen, you know, I appreciate that. And, 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 and again, it's our job to you know, pay it forward. And that's what we're doing here at this great institution. And uh, also what you're doing in, in the House. You know, I introduced you as delegate and said that you're running for Senate. But, but you know, you've represented your district and the city of Norfolk uh, for, for, for years in, in the House. And, and with that, you've championed a lot of causes and, and really worked for the people. You know, and, and as delegate, you want to step up to the Senate. But before we, before we talk about your step up, <laughs> tell us a little bit about um, how you've enjoyed your time in the House and really how the House serving as the delegate really helped to shape you. Um, I Thank you so much. I, I enjoy the time in the House because we get the opportunity at the state level to make an impact on 7 million plus people in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And it gives, us, it gives me the opportunity to look at things from a broad perspective um, and as well as how do these things that we do in Richmond affect those at the local level, because that's where my roots are. And um, I served on city council for 10 years before going to the House of Delegates. And so that combination of uh, local uh, experience as well as having the three years 
uh, in the House of Delegates, I think, makes me uniquely positioned to be able to go into the Senate, not just to hit the ground running on day one, but actually um, being able to frame up legislation that is going to be impactful to the quality of lives of the people that I represent. You know, I'm glad you mentioned your time in the city council because, uh, you know, a lot of time that's, that's kind of looked over, glazed over. But um, being on the city council, and I started my political career as the, the legislative assistant, which now is chief of staff uh, mm-hmm. for a city councilwoman. Um, and th- that I, I saw that time just as, as a staffer in representing mm-hmm. the councilwoman really as a time where you can really touch the people. I mean, you're there. Civic association mm-hmm. meetings, you know, public mm-hmm. works meetings, somebody has a, a clogged mm-hmm. up drain in front of, their, in front of the house, you could go and, and, and talk with them. You know, tell us a little bit about how your time on city council really helped to uh, uh, not just shape you, but also touch the people. Well, I, I said it when I ran for the House of Delegates, and it and it was kind of a campaign slogan, but it was really the truth, and I think the best slogans come from the truth, really. And it is, I will never forget that the decisions I make in Richmond impact the people in Norfolk. Mm. And I wow. remember on council and having decisions made in Richmond going, what in the world were they thinking? You know, how are we supposed to pull this off? Unfunded mandates and different things of that nature that co- would come down from Richmond. And it, and here's the thing. We don't always agree. I will, I will probably not always agree with council members. They will probably not always agree with me. But I think that I know that we all serve the same group of constituency in terms of the people. There are not certain residents who can only vote for city council or they can only vote for state legislators. Now, there may be people who pick and choose which elections that they vote in, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> but, but when it comes down to it, you, these are the folks who we all represent. Mm. And so we should be working in concert locally at the state level and congressionally to do the very best by them that we possibly can. And so when I look at things, I look at it from a lens of how is this going to affect what my council has to implement, the budgetary confinement that they have for it, and then how is it also going to affect the people that is going to be implemented upon, if that makes sense. Wow. You know, well, listen, let's let's delve into it a little bit more and kind of break mm-hmm. this down. So let's get into the Senate district uh, first. So, this is the first time that the city of Norfolk has its own Senate district in recent history. In it, 35 years. Yeah. You know, and with that, that means that now just the city of Norfolk has one senator that represents their interests. How, first of all, how significant is that? You know, I can't even really wrap my brain around it. I think um, at some point the reality of it will set in, you know, um, after Election Day and and once we're all sworn in and everything. Mm -hmm. But it is extremely significant from the perspective, if you look at what we currently have in the current districts, we have one senator who represents um, Chesapeake and Norfolk. Mm -hmm. We have a second senator who represents Uh, the Eastern Shore and Norfolk. And then we have a third senator who represents uh, Virginia Beach and Norfolk. And so there is not a senator who had in this and the Senate, as you know, is the upper chamber. And so there's no one in the upper chamber that 
is solely um, uh, and consistently thinking about how does this impact Norfolk? How can we make Norfolk better if there are grant funds available, if there are special funds available, if there are opportunities available? How can Norfolk residents best be served by them? And how can we get that information out so that Norfolk residents know what's available to them? We don't have anybody like that because everybody's um, uh, their, 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 their districts are all split up. That's right. You know, so for, for those of that are listening, we understand that Norfolk right now, well, before redistricting and really now into the election is cut right. up and individuals represent different parts of, of mm-hmm. the city of Norfolk. So therefore, because it's a part, then some localities get more, in, you know, uh, attention than others. Correct. You know, but now that it's only one senator that will represent mm-hmm. the interests of the city of Norfolk. That means that there is a tension on one area, Norfolk. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. Know, you know, and then with that, there are, so for our listeners, you have 100 House seats, House of Delegates, and 40 Senate seats. And mm-hmm. within those Senate districts, which are larger, you have House districts in those, in that Senate district. Talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about those representatives who are running and uh, for those House districts and what those districts are. So that is something that I'm really excited about. Um, For Norfolk redistricting, um, redistricting, we did good. We we did good in in redistricting. We, we, you know, there's some arguments that we could have done better, but we did good, I think. Um, Up until now, there was only one house seat that was all Norfolk. Mm. Everybody else also had a piece of Norfolk and Chesapeake, a piece of Norfolk and Virginia Beach, a piece of Norfolk and the Eastern Shore. Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's, give or take, there's, four, if I'm not mistaken, and only one of those, including myself, who had Norfolk and a little bit of Virginia Beach, right? So in the new districts, we have House District 92, mm-hmm. which I think you guys talked to Benita, uh, Benita Anthony, um, who's a candidate for House District 92, and that is an all-Norfolk House District seat. Um, then there is the House District 93 which is Delegate Jackie Glass. She currently represents the old 89th, which is Jay Jones's old district, is what I call it. And now she will be representing the 93rd, which technically is my 90th, right? right? <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's all weird. Um, so we've got 92, we've got 93. Then we have 94, which is an all-Norfolk house seat, which is Phil Hernandez. Phil has um, Ocean View, Little Creek, the Naval Bay, mm. Titus Town, and a little bit of Larchmont. He's got those neighborhoods and those precincts to include Bayview, East Ocean View, Little Creek, Tarleton, and Third Press. Those are the those are the ones um, that that I don't have that he does have in his house that he has in his house district. And so there's 92, 93, 94, and then we have Alex Askew who has House District 95, and Alex only has two precincts in Norfolk. Mm -hmm. He's got Fairlawn, and he's got Calvary Revival, and then the rest of his district is uh, Virginia Beach. And so, but for Norfolk, it's great because we've got two and three quarters of our senators, I mean, of our delegates, Delegates. Mm -hmm. have all Norfolk seats. 
Wow. You know, and of that, you know, you, you mentioned those different those, those different seats. Of course, Alex, Alex Askew is a former delegate who's running mm-hmm. for, for election uh, mm-hmm. again to be a delegate. And you also mm-hmm. have Jackie Glass, who also served as a mm-hmm. delegate and currently represents Norfolk State mm-hmm. uh, in her district. But then you have Benita Anthony, who's a public, uh, definitely a public advocate, who's run for office mm-hmm. before and running to be the new delegate to represent mm-hmm. Norfolk State moving move mm-hmm. forward. So for those that are listening, uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, Jackie Glass is still the delegate representing Norfolk State. But after the election, it would be the winner right. of the seat that Benita Anthony is running for. House District 92. And with that, everyone that we mentioned are African-Americans and mm-hmm. not just African-Americans, but individuals who are who have been engaged in the community, not newcomers, but people mm-hmm. whose mission and they, all of them have been on the show. Alex, uh, Jackie uh, and also Benita. And they've talked about their passion for the community. Mm-hmm. How important, to, especially in politics today, tell us. For from your perspective, how important is it it is to have a heart or a passion for the people as opposed to being involved just in the politics? Well, you know, here's the thing. I think we are very blessed to have a great slate in Norfolk. Um, from Benita to Jackie to Phil and to Alex, we are very, very blessed with people who care about the community. They care about people. I mean, Phil worked in the Obama White House as a policymaker, and he's a civil rights attorney. And so, I mean, when you have people, Benita works in um, uh, in higher education, mm-hmm. you know, and she's an engineer. And so, I mean, we just have great folks who really do care about the city of Norfolk and one of the things that Jackie says is, I'm a come here, not a from here, meaning that she's really not from here. She came here and she chose here, right? So she chose to make Norfolk her home and she chose to get involved and she chose to be an advocate for people and, 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 and entrench herself in, you know, the culture here. And so all the folks we've got, all of them are absolute, I would not be campaigning so hard for them if I didn't believe in each and every one of them. Absolutely. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville, and you're joining us for our 2023 Election Candidate Series show. With us, we have current delegate Angela Williams-Grace, who's running to be your next senator for the brand-new Senate district representing the entire city of Norfolk, District 21. Delegate Graves, all right, let's talk issues and platforms. Right now, Mm -hmm. what do you believe are the biggest issues facing the city of Norfolk, the Commonwealth, and really our country? Well, um, the city of Norfolk, we'll start there. We've got a real gun violence problem. Mm And um, we've, we're, we're, we're working with nonprofits. We're working to get, you know, get a handle on that. But we have to be proactive instead of reactive or in addition to being reactive because, you know, when things happen, you have to react to it. But we also have to be proactive in working with young people, working with um, our, our police and, and uh, police departments and our community workers to give children something to do to show them a path that they can take to prosperity, right? 
and give them a quality education so that they can do, you know, so that they can be self-sufficient and not turning to guns and gangs and violence as a uh, solution to disagreements. I don't know where, I mean, and this is a soapbox, but I don't know where in the world we decided or when in the world we decided that solving a problem was Mm. done with a weapon. I I just don't know how we got here, right? So gun violence is an issue um, with city of Norfolk. Uh, Workforce development issues, we need to make sure that we're able to help people get jobs, get better jobs to earn more money, right? I mean, everybody to be able, there's dignity in all work. And everybody wants to, you know, provide for their family and put food on the table and have some of the things that they want to have in life. Um, In a commonwealth, which um, is not exclusionary from the city, it's inclusionary of the city. But in the Commonwealth, I think that one of the biggest issues we have is making sure that Virginia remains a safe haven for women who may seek abortion or who may seek alternative reproductive health care options. Every single other southern state has put a ban or a limit, whatever you want to call it. If it changes the current law, then it's a ban. All right. It is it is further restricting a woman's right to make choices about her own body. And so my goal is to make sure that women remain in control of the decisions that they make. I don't have to like the decision and neither do you. But that doesn't mean that we should take away the ability of women to be able to make those decisions for them. So that's huge for me as a state legislator to make sure that we have that. Because here's the other piece of that, too. Clinics and doctor's offices that perform those services, um, once they close, they're not coming back. They're not coming back. And we're talking about women's reproductive health care in all spectrum, on all uh, on all spectrums. And so we cannot afford to lose doctors. We cannot afford to lose health care providers. We cannot afford we already have a shortage. We can't afford that. So that's a big that's a that's a big issue. And I think on a national level, we just need to learn how to be nice. <laughs> Not nice. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I had a conversation just this past week with, you know, a former elected officials and uh, you know, he and I were talking and we were just like, you know, just anything goes today, right? And another yeah. gentleman chimed in and said, it's really, you know, post-Trump era, you know, yeah. and really how we had someone in the White House that set a standard. Unfortunately, yeah. it's a standard that um, then t- took away the niceties and the compromise that our democracy yeah. is. But, you know, we are looking for public servants that will take a step up and say, you know what? It's time to bring back, you know, mm-hmm. compromise. It's time to bring back respect. It's time to bring back mm-hmm. niceties, right? <laughs> Decency. Just, just, you know, I was, I was at a forum earlier today, and there was a woman there. She was a Republican. She was a campaign manager of a candidate, and she said that they had put her name and phone number and home address, her opponent. Oh my on the internet. Now, she's the campaign manager. She's not even the candidate. I could not believe that. Right. I just could not believe that. And so she said, yeah, she said it posted it on, on, on the internet. Wow. 
you know, again, you know, the great thing about our democracy is that we have an opportunity to voice our opinions, peaceful protests, mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. do something that a lot of countries can't do, a lot of citizens of the world can't do. And that's go to the ballot and cast yep. our vote where it will send a person to represent us and our issues in mm-hmm. the legislature. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to pivot to with that, the importance of voting, right? So one thing that took place when you were in the legislature, um, and it was a time where, you know, early voting, we wanted to increase access to the ballot box, where a lot of states mm-hmm. were decreasing access to the ballot box. And, mm-hmm. one, and one great idea was, hey, Let's make it easier for people to vote. Yep. But the other side of the aisle, the Republicans fought against that and for tooth and nail. But now they're using it to advantage, which, which, of course, they should, you know, because it mm-hmm. is law. But right now we have early voting that was voted in by a Democratic-controlled uh, House mm-hmm. and, and Senate and, and, of course, um, mm-hmm. Governor's House mansion, mm-hmm. where you can vote 40 days ahead, 40 days. So early voting started in September and now mm-hmm. we're in October and the election is November 7th, but you don't have to wait to the seventh. So tell us a little bit about, uh, of course you can vote Monday through Friday, but let's talk about the Saturday and Sunday voting. Great. Um, and, and that, that's a great question. So I want to, I want to back up a little bit and just say, we don't want to leave out satellite voting either because we also have, so in it, so in the 45 days, there's a segment of that time that was just early voting at city hall. Right. And then there, as of now, we have four satellite locations in the city of Norfolk where people can actually go and vote. The Berkeley Recreation Center, the Jordan Newby Library, the Lambert's Point Community Center, and the Mary D. Pretlow Anchor Branch Library. Those, those locations cover the four corners of the Norfolk Earth if you will. And then you can always go to City Hall um, and vote there as well, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. But the Sunday voting, the Saturday and Sunday, so tomorrow you are able to go and vote from noon to 4 p.m. at any of the satellite locations that I just mentioned. Just make sure that you bring your valid ID. And then next Saturday, November 4th, is the very last day to early vote. And you can early vote at any of the satellite locations between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And the other beauty is if you are not registered to vote and you go, oh, my God, I'm not registered to vote and I think I really want to vote in this election, you can register to vote and vote in a provisional ballot that will be counted as long as all your information is valid and you fill in all the answer, all the questions on the application, um, you can register and vote on the same day up until and through election day on November the 7th. So there's really no excuse why you cannot vote. The other piece that Democrats did when we were in the majority was in absentee voting or mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be like seven um, uh, reasons why you had you had to have an excuse. Okay, you had to have an excuse, or you had to make like you were in one of those boxes. Why you could you had to early vote, and you had to have an excuse, and you had to have a witness, and you had to have all this ridiculous stuff. It was it was very much vote very much voter suppressive. Okay, designed to keep you from early voting. 
And so now with Democrats being um, having when we had the majority, um, we instituted Sunday voting and we instituted no excuse absentee ballot voting. So you don't have to have an excuse. You don't have to have a seat. You don't have to have any of that stuff. Just call the registrar or visit the registrar's office. So for Norfolk, that's 757-664-4353, 757-664-4353, or go to www.norfolk.gov forward slash elections, and that will take you to the, um, the, the state registrar's page right in Norfolk. You can request your absentee ballot. They'll mail it to you, um, and, then you can, and then you can send it back. Absolutely. No excuse. No excuse. Exercise your right to vote. If you're 18 years old, you can go vote, cast your vote and make sure that your voice is heard. You know, and I wanted to mention the age in which you can vote, because I remember I've said this before on other shows, but I remember I was uh, moderating a panel and uh, the uh, Reverend William Barber was on the panel and there, mm-hmm. were, there were college students there. And I said, you're the future. He said, no. They're not the future. They are the now. Yes. So you are the now. If you're a college, mm-hmm. if you're 18 years old, no matter what you're doing, you can make yep. your voice heard. Go vote. You can vote now, Monday through mm-hmm. Friday. You can vote satellite locations, Sunday, and then on Saturday coming up. And mm-hmm. and on the last day to vote, the last day to vote is Election Day. Election right. Day, November 7th. So tune in to next Sunday, which we're, all, we're, we're here every Sunday. But next Sunday is our Get Out the Vote show, our Get Out the Vote show, where we're going to give you all the information that you need. And we also have a very special guest that's going to join us to talk about the importance of voting. But I want to get back to, um, you know, this election for this Senate district. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about those issues, uh, let's let's look at first day, first day. You get in if you're blessed to be elected to represent this uh, this great city, which you served on the council and in the house. What would be your first thing that you want to do when you become the next senator? Mm, so <laughs> that wow. Okay, so I put a lot of thought into what I was going to wear, and I put a lot of thought into <laughs> finding my office and decorating it, and all of those kinds of things. It's really exciting. We've got a whole new general assembly building. Absolutely, really it's gorgeous too. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it is. It's beautiful. Um, But I will say that we're working on legislation. One of my favorite pieces um, that I'm working on right now is uh, the uh, reduction of collection of court costs and fines on the criminal side. Yes. So on the civil side, we um, limited collection of court costs and fines to 10 years. Okay, 10 years on the on the civil side. But court costs and fines on the criminal side can be collected up to 42 years. And what we know is that that impacts folks of color, that impacts folks um, who are less able to pay or least likely, you know, least likely able to pay more than it does other people. And so I would like to bring some parity to uh, that process if, you know, criminal court costs and fines, and it doesn't affect restitution. It does not affect restitution. But court costs and fines, we waste money collecting it. Um, if we only do it in 10 years for civil court, then we should only do it for 10 years for uh, criminal court. And that's one of my day one filing 
um, electric uh, 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 pieces of legislation. Absolutely. Again, legislation, common sense public policy to help the people that Mm -hmm. you serve. Mm -hmm. (laughs) From council Mm -hmm. to house, now to Senate. This is Angela Williams Graves looking for your vote to become the next senator for the city of Norfolk. In our final minute, tell us how our listeners can get involved with your campaign and uh, get in contact with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I want to just give one plug that if you are a student or if you're a parent with a student and that student turns 18 on Election Day, they can register and they can vote. As long as they, if their birthday is November the 7th and they turn 18, they can register and they can vote and their vote will count. So that's another opportunity for folks to be able to vote. Um, folks can reach me at AngelaWilliamsGraves.com. I am on all the social media platforms as AWG Norfolk, except Instagram. On Instagram, I'm AWG underscore Norfolk. If you go to the website, just click on contact us. You'll have a form you can fill out with your information and just let us know what you want to do. We're looking for poll workers on Election Day. We're looking for folks that will help us get out of the vote and knock doors um, leading up to Election Day. And um, and if you want to donate, you can do that also. There's a button for that. You can donate as little as 10 or 15 or $21. I tell people $21 for the 21st district. They can do that. So those are all of the ways that you can help us. And then just stay engaged throughout the course of the year. Absolutely. Once again, we want to thank you for joining us here on Stay the Water, where we bring movers, shakers, and policymakers to you to discuss issues important to the community. Go out and vote and exercise your right. Until next week, God bless, be great, and we'll see you next time.